0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this pilot podcast by me, Sarah Ferruia, and...
1: Me, James Nepal Singh.
0: <laughs> and we have yet to decide a name for this, so I'll call us the Nepo Babies just for now. And we are here today at James's first solo exhibition at a gallery called Nepo All of Me. And this is at the Mugen Gallery in Ryozan Park in Sugamo, which is in the heart of Northwest Tokyo on the famous Yamanote line. We want to say a massive thank you to Rachel Ferguson of Ryozan Park and Noritaka Takezawa for hosting us here and also to their um, gallery director and curator, Peter Leghorn, who's hanging around in the background here and who has helped curate and hang this exhibition. So are you ready to go, James?
1: I think so, Sarah.
0: Amazing. So the first thing I'd like to do is to just tell us a little bit about this exhibition. So this is an exhibition that showcases work that transcribed a conversation with AI exploring themes of masculinity in crisis and unconscious bias. Napo fed AI images of hummingbirds and his name and received disturbing images of mainly black bodies in pain. Copies of his recent art book, which is also titled All of Me, now reside in various libraries in the UK and will also be available to purchase (laughs) at the gallery opening from six till nine on Saturday, March the 11th? 11th. (laughs) Saturday, March the 11th at the gallery. So James, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that in your own words before we get into the paintings?
1: Yeah, so... The situation with me is I graduated from the RCA in Mm -hmm. August.
0: What's the RCA? It's
1: the Royal College of Art, Mm -hmm. which is a famous art school in London. Mm -hmm. And there's always a bit I keep hearing from artists when they graduate, there's this weird space you don't really know what to do with yourself. Mm -hmm. And... My wife, quite rightly, got fed up with me painting in the house and making a mess. So she said, you need to find your own space. And it was always a long-term mission. So I found somewhere in January, a really, really nice place, really small, but loads of nice lighting. And I was there and it was empty. And it was kind of like where I was in my artistic journey, just completely empty, completely literal blank canvas. So all I had was an Amazon box with these cards here, these A4 size cards. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there. With a new graphite pencil, and I just sketch anything that came into my mind. So these, do you call them canvases? Blank canvas cards, maybe. I don't know. Like the really thin canvas size.
0: So these blank canvas cards are about one foot by, I don't know, three quarters of a foot. So about 30 centimetres by 40 centimetres. They're quite small. And we have some pictures of like hummingbirds and people on here. So why don't you tell us a bit about how how this evolved? So this was in your new studio, which is six mats, right?
1: Yeah, it's 15 square metres.
0: 15 square metres. And you took the plunge and you now have these Blank canvases in there. What emerged for you? So
1: there's no intentionality. It's literally just had a graphite pencil. Where's this going? Just scribble anything that came into my head. Mm-hmm. So hummingbirds, like you said, they've got features of hummingbirds, but they're, they're quite distorted as well. Quite freaky as well. Sometimes they've got human form. Sometimes they haven't. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting where the gaze is looking. So I just took these and I made some paintings. On the back of these, but I, I was fed up. I think when the RC, I was, I was looking into my darker side and getting quite angry and getting those kind of emotions out. But I wanted to make something more positive. And you know, the three monkeys in Nicole? Yes. The famous three monkeys like Hear No Evil, See No Evil, um, speak, speak No new Evil. Yes. I thought, I didn't know until I went there that it's actually a life cycle of a monkey. So it's actually really powerful because you turn the corner and you see the monkey die. And that really hit me. I never knew that because you just see the the image of those three monkeys you think that's it. So I thought, why didn't I do that for hummingbirds? So I had these dark sketches and I thought, I don't really want to go down that path. I want more positivity in my life. So I did the life cycle of a hummingbird Hmm. and I'll take you to the paintings now.
0: Okay. I'm following you through the gallery into the private room.
1: So yeah, some of the paintings aren't here because I just don't have enough space, but I did things like Looks at hummingbirds being born, and they look quite alien esque as well, really mm-hmm. quite almost creepy as well. But I didn't think those paintings were that successful, so I don't have one here. But this baby one you see now, it's a mother feeding its its children. Oh, I see. So yeah, in the nest. Yeah. So those two things you see here again, it's quite abstract. Are oh, the babies being fed by the mother? The the, the techniques I use here are really kind of I don't know elongated. Paint strokes, which I don't really do. Really lush, subtle colours, and it's only three shades of blue, which for me is quite rare because I like my colour. But I wanted to keep this really soft and muted, quite warming hearty and it just makes you feel quite warm and I don't know earthy and takes you back to the home as well the kind of womb kind of image I was trying to get there
0: Um, I really love this photograph and yes it is like a kind of teal color with a very blue blue color and then a very very dark blue color what's this called this painting
1: it's called a mother's love
0: a mother's love so people can see this on your website what's the website
1: it's NepoArt.net.
0: Okay. So I love this picture. And as you say, it's kind of alien-esque. I hadn't seen the, the mother feeding the babies until now. I always just saw the alien from the alien films in it. Which... You,
1: you thought that was an alien.
0: No, I, I knew it wasn't an alien, but to me it always looked like the mother of the uh, in the alien films.
1: Interesting. <laughs> That's so weird because I all I see is positivity here, nothing creepy at all, but. So fascinating. This is why art's so interesting because people see things in different ways.
0: Yeah. But don't forget as well, like the alien films are absolutely iconic and there ain't mm. nothing negative about Sigourney Weaver and that whole that whole thing. It's just, I just uh that's how I always saw it. But I don't I don't see any I I, I don't dark and light sit together for me.
1: Do you know it's really fascinating as well? Mm-hmm. I've got Amazon Prime. I don't have Netflix. I know I'll be too addictive and won't have time for paintings. But they've got really old films. So I've started watching films that I saw as a kid. Things like Birds, I saw when I was four years old. So I never knew a lot of those images have been in my subconscious and they come out in paintings. And Alien, it's one of my favourite films of all time as well. I wrote a thesis on it. Maybe that, I don't know, maybe that came up. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Well, for me, I certainly see her and she is the mother. At the end she of is. the day, she's the mother and she's protecting her children. When I was at university 30-some years ago, I had a picture of a photograph of Sigourney Weaver with a skinhead. You know, when the alien's coming up to her to damage her, but then she realises that, spoiler alert, that Sigourney's actually a host. So she pulls back and I've, I had that picture on my uh, on my wall.
1: Oh my gosh <laughs> actually before my final exams my tutor sent me the alien bat photo mm-hmm. in a greeting card to say good luck for your exams there you go so all okay. right so
0: this is the power of art this is why i think these conversations are so important so let's go to your next pieces then
1: okay i haven't across the room this is called mating ritual
0: this is the same, similar kind of colours to the one we just saw, right?
1: Exactly. So you just got maybe three or four colours here. It's a really, really light palette here. Mm-hmm. And what this is, it's basically a one bird's going up mm-hmm. with its beak piercing a, a stomach. And that bird is facing downwards. So it's almost like it's in free fall. Mm-hmm. But I never realised when I painted it, it kind of looks like fighter jets fighting. Oh, yeah. But it's, I didn't want it to be aggressive because it's not aggressive. It's a mating ritual. Okay. So um, it looks really aggressive. It's quite fiery. It's quite passionate. So you get all that there. But it's birds as well. So that's the story behind that.
0: Love that. So is this going to be hung in this exhibition?
1: It is. I just haven't found a space for it yet. Okay, we, so... We need, yeah, we need to figure that Go on. This is what I'm saying is this is why I'm really excited about this podcast, because this is a side of art that people don't usually see how exactly. difficult it is when you have just boxes and canvases in front of you and you don't know where things are going to go. It takes ages getting things in the right place. Are they tilted to one side? And they take on whole new stories when you get them out of your studio and you see them lined up. Stories that you never knew existed before.
0: And I think this is this seems like a good time then to kind of address this this part of of this this conversation that we're having. Is I've interrupted you to do this recording in order to to talk about this hang and the exhibition, but there's so much complexity involved in this hang. And I know that you and I have been going backwards and forwards. Shall I do this? Shall I do this? Shall I do this? Mm. And all my um, responses were, ask Peter, ask Peter, ask Peter Leghorn, the gallery director, because he's hung here before and he's hung quite a number of exhibitions. And I wonder what's your process been with Peter And how important it is to have these gallery directors and curators in place to support the artists. It's
1: quite key because he knows colour and he knows how colour works and he knows how stories work. And he sees different techniques and different strokes. Mm -hmm. And he'll know, he says, you've progressed here. This isn't the same style as here. They don't really fit together. This will look better over there. Is this too high? Are they telling a story? Should put this on top of each other? I don't have that knowledge and it's just nice to have that voice. Because all you see is your paintings on a day-to-day basis. You don't see how other people interpret them and how they'll be viewed.
0: Absolutely brilliant. So you have that expertise of somebody who can read much more into the the flow and the story and the colours and how it all works together.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Amazing.
0: And then I come in on the business end to be the layperson who then goes, "This makes sense." <laughs> so I just want to get this out of the uh, out of the wrapper. Okay.
1: Near the rusting now. <laughs>
0: Oh, those colours are so gorgeous. This one is grey and blue and green and yellow. What was your technique here, um, James?
1: Oh, see so how I made this, I used a... Sorry. I used, you know, the scraper instead of a paintbrush. And I just... It was almost like I was moulding it with clay, the way I just really thick slabs of paint, just like this, almost like rectangles. And then I just wanted to get the motion in there as well. So I scraped out some of the, the paint. So it kind of looks like there's flapping going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the sky as well. It's, there's a kind of like a wind around them. You can get that from the greyness. Yeah. And it's the first time I've painted grey as a background as well. So I was experimenting with different colour schemes
0: absolutely gorgeous and 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 you've just answered my question like how did you choose these colors because these colors are quite in in majorly contrast to this one over here mm. um which is more kind of like day glow colors for want of a better word but um what what made you choose this for this particular painting
1: literally the sky outside was gray so right. just, that was the only reason because I usually do like you said like Day glow colours but again it's going back to the mother's love I just wanted to make something a bit more homely a bit more intimate as well where you're kind of feeling wrapped because it's, kind of, it's not a harsh grey it's quite a warm grey as well
0: and there's nothing wrong with that I mean as you know I'm obsessed with the sky and sky watch and posting photographs of the sky so a really full staunch grey sky makes me so delighted and happy in a in a in a really kind of hefty way in a really hefty heavy way
1: that, that's i think you, you hit the nail on the head there because this is intense mm-hmm. and you don't know if it's dark intense or if it's uplifting intense because it's it's love it's mating yeah but it's around this backdrop of slight darkness at the same time it's aggressive but yet yeah, it's quite intimate yeah so it's a lot of contradictory things going on like you said the colors are contradictory as well with it, other paintings Beautiful.
0: I mean, this is really stunning in in person as well. Thank you. All right. So I'd like to move on to the next one. Okay. So we're going to go over to this very abstracted something. There's nothing I can see that would tell me what this is here. What's the title of this?
1: I haven't thought about that yet, but it's going to be death related, but in a positive way. Um, When I hang it up and I see what it looks like and it talks to me, then I'll I'll name it.
0: Amazing. So it's not traffic lights then? It's not.
1: (laughs) You seriously can't see what's in there?
0: Not yet. Is there a hummingbird in there? There is a hummingbird. I see the hummingbird now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see the hummingbird. Is it, it it almost it almost looks like a kingfisher diving actually as well. So yeah. It's on its back. Would that help? Okay, so this is the death of a hummingbird. Exactly. exactly. Okay, but I've seen this. I've seen this painting at a different stage. I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. I so think you have.
0: yeah, I think I've seen it before. the The top layer went onto it. So what made you do the this? This really, really. This is like two different paintings. What's going on with that top layer?
1: Funny. So <laughs> I had this in my studio. The, the back is actually army paint, like literal army paint. What do you mean? that you can get army paint that the army used for painting iron fences, for example. And that's what the back is. That's why it looks so dark and it's not shiny like the other ones. Mm -hmm. It doesn't pop at all. And I had blue. So originally this was a blue background and I I covered it with this army paint. So originally I wanted it floating, but then I just sat on it for ages. It wasn't working. And I used charcoal um, for the shadows of the actual bird itself because charcoal's from dead wood. So that's the death theme there. And I was sitting in my studio. It wasn't talking to me. And then, interestingly, the big painting there with the cow, the Windrush cow, the Windrush cows on a beach one, you'll see those colours are the same as the splats there. I was literally splatting dripped paint and ink over here because I, I didn't know this canvas was below. and <laughs> It just literally, it was an accident, they just splattered on the top. And this had bleach on it as well. Because I thought this was going into my drip mat, but it wasn't. It was just going onto that. And it just made these beautiful colours, and now... It, it really sings.
0: So a beautiful accident then.
1: Absolutely. I love accidents and mistakes. They're great.
0: Right. Okay. So let's go over to this Windrush picture then. So this is one of the larger pictures in this show. Yeah. Let's say, what, can you tell me the dimensions?
1: Uh, F50. I can never remember what Okay, they so it's are. about big, one
0: metre by 80 centimetres, something, something right like, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big painting. And um, I'll just quickly describe it to the uh, listeners in my in my layperson's eye (laughs) which is there's a blue sky and then uh, looks like a wave breaking onto Mm -hmm. a very yellow sand Mm -hmm. there's two black bulls or cows Mm -hmm. but it looks a bit like they're having a fight Mm -hmm. and then there's a kind of very colorful dripping cow in the foreground Mm -hmm. now that is a dreadful
1: description. I'd like
0: to <laughs> hand it over to you now. But you know, uh, it's um, just to give you an idea of what's going on here. This one is called what, James?
1: It's called Windrush Cows on a Beach.
0: Okay. So if you want to go to the website and have a little look at that, that's brilliant. So
1: tell what's us about story? it. So when I get inspiration, I get it from random places like movies, Instagram, pictures people send to me. And there's a really great Facebook group called Caribbean Photography. And there was this beautiful picture someone did in Tobago, because my parents are from Trinidad and Tobago, of just cows walking early morning on a beach. It looked absolutely beautiful. But two of them looked like they were fighting. So I zoomed in on that and did that here. These aren't painted, it's charcoal with a bit of ink mm-hmm. and a bit of spray paint in the background as well, literally scraped off. That's the vigorous two ones in the background. But they're down And then on an elevated plane, like you said, you've got this dripping cow with luminous pink and luminous green eyes um, looking at us, poured loads of bleach on it, It Drip, like I said. That photo came from my mother who sent me a photograph from a stately home in Staffordshire that my parents visit quite regularly. Mm. They've got gorgeous cows there, really expensive pedigree cows. And that, that house actually has a history as well.
0: Of course it does. I mean, there's no getting away from the colonial history of, um, of England, is there?
1: No, because um, we used to go on school trips there. And there was always a pirate ship.
0: What's it called?
1: Called Shugborough Hall.
0: Okay, I've not been there.
1: It's, it's beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was a pirate ship, like a model pirate ship. And I remember as a kid, I was eight, I asked the the person who was like looking after the room, why is there a pirate ship here? And she said, that's how they got their wealth. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is interesting. Uh-huh. This, this was in the 80s. Yeah. So the family were originally pirates. And I think this is the story. I hope I'm not making this up. There was a fire in a Chinese village. And these pirates were in that village and they helped take out that fire. And as a thank you, the ruling people gave them lots of presents who were really, really, really expensive. So that's how they came back and made their wealth, she were saying.
0: Well, we all love a good story. So why don't we come back to the story of this? Because there's more like, this is called, this has got that Windrush background to it as well. So what else is in here? I know there's other things in here.
1: Yeah, so the Windrush scandal, if people don't know, it's people from the West Indies. were British citizens, they are British citizens, but through I don't know what it was, an admin error they were sent back to the West Indies. Mm and Recently, right? Very, very recently. Exactly, very recently. And these people lived most of their lives in the UK. They Mm -hmm. were British and it was a ridiculous thing. So when I painted this, the Ukraine colours of the flag came up. Just out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. It emerged
0: out of
1: the painting. Exactly. And it's a horrible, horrible tragedy. For what interested me is how two sets of immigrants are treated very differently in the same country, I think. Yeah. And no one's really talking about that, and I don't know why that is. I just want to raise the question, why is that?
0: It's, it is talked about, but it's very quickly brushed to one side, I think. But it's so interesting that one painting can hold so much history, so much history, and so much context, and so much current affairs, but also, I love that the painting we looked at over there is kind of like the baby of this painting. So it's like
1: it's so interesting to me <laughs> how they're talking to each other because of the accident. <laughs> interesting. <laughs>
0: well, we'll we'll see what emerges from this. Okay, so James, if that if that explanation of this particular painting, the Windrush painting, is is complete, mm. can we move on?
1: Yeah, this next okay. one is called. Cool. So I'm writing this, I wrote this down early because these names just came up to me when I was putting them up. This is called Resistance and Protest.
0: Okay, so I want to just be quickly tell the listeners what I'm looking at here. So these paintings are probably about 50 by 60 centimetres. There's five of them. The mm. colours all talk with one another. And these ones were born out of AI, right? So this is conversations with AI, artificial intelligence. So before we get into the detail of each painting, can you just tell us what your process was here and what inspired you to do this?
1: Yeah, so when I painted the Hummingbird paintings, they're gorgeous paintings, but they weren't really me, they weren't doing much, do you know what I mean? They're -hmm. they're nice aesthetically, people love to have them in their houses. What do you mean they're
0: not doing much?
1: I like to raise questions and make okay. people feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, do I like this? It's kind of attracting me but repulsing me at the same time. Uh-huh. Why am I feeling so strange? I don't think those hummingbirds things, Well, for me, they don't. They just look aesthetically nice, which is fine if you're into that. But I'm um, personally, I don't. I'm, I want something more. So I, I try to paint things that people really wouldn't want to put in their living room, which is not good for sales. But well,
0: you can see in my living room. <laughs> Um, you know what it reminds me of? My interview with Chapman, who wrote the book Perfume. And he said that the Parisian perfumers always say they need un peu de mer in there, a little bit of shit. It can't smell beautifully of flowers. It has to always have a un peu de mer in there. And I think that kind of relates to this
1: absolutely okay
0: so let's go so we've got these series of five paintings that actually peter helped you to put together on this wall right well
1: this was the interesting thing we line these up and we're like oh my god this is telling a story in itself in a line because we weren't really thinking about putting them in a line (sighs) we're actually thinking of putting the windrush one in the middle and putting things on the side but now this is telling a whole narrative yeah so for me i don't know if people think this you've got the, the cow looking at you then it's transforming into kind of death with these death-like features yeah like exactly mm, kind of like insect legs or like these star wars things with the long legs they're kind of like that but with scary skulls and then you've got another scary looking i don't even know what it is two
0: mouths and like a screaming thing almost got bunny ears on it yeah it's the year of the rabbit and then we've got these other three here.
1: This one was really disturbing when this came up from AI. So, this was like a black person with basically a chain around its neck, and it came from. Just a painting of a hummingbird with my name. Yes, with the process. So literally I typed my DJ name, my record producing name, Nepotech. Yes. I put in a parameter of street art. And then this came back from a hummingbird. So it's
0: a black person with a chain around their neck.
1: Yeah, looking like they're in pain with their mouth open. Almost like slave imagery. And I just don't know where that came from. Oh,
0: well, let me help you out with that. (laughs) So, and for the people who are listening who can't see James, James James's. How do you describe yourself, your skin tone, et cetera?
1: Brown, but my heritage is is really mixed. So Indian, South American, 3% Finnish. Black, so from the slave ports of Africa, so it's about 30% from Africa as well. Okay. So my my DNA is a literal map of colonialism and empire, literally. Interesting. So it's a map.
0: Right. So basically when AI puts a search on your name, Nepotech, it will read black.
1: Yeah, because it searches the internet for images of that name. So obviously my DJ pictures have come up. Yeah. And it's interpreted that with an image of a hummingbird and put a slave face there with a chain around its neck, which for me really freaked me out.
0: Yeah, well, this is really remarkable as well that AI is is not choosing a joyful image of a black person in in inside their algorithm, but actually choosing that instead. And you've interpreted that in this kind of bright green orange kind of what do you call that like a shackle around the exactly. neck a collar yeah but it's um, dripping as well and it's yeah. dripping so it kind of looks like
1: jewelry in a weird way yeah I and mean, used lots of dirt and soil here okay. to give us texture yeah and tea actually as yeah. well so I oh so that's got the, the back colonial
0: back. vibes exactly, in as well exactly. yeah nothing is lost nothing is lost
1: <laughs> and charcoal as well for the death so, because yeah. usually in art, you don't, in a painting, you wouldn't show charcoal because it almost shows the construction of it. Mm-hmm. But I love to show that as well. And I want the death things to come out. And another reason why I did it is because I find with my sketches, there's a lot more energy in life and I lose it when I paint. So I just thought, why don't I just draw on the paintings? There's a heart in that mouth as well. I've not seen that before. Interesting. Okay. okay.
0: What's this one called? Do you remember?
1: Uh, this is called.
0: This one, maybe?
1: No. Resistance
0: and... No, yeah. this
1: is something about silence. Fragments of memory, this is called, sorry. Fragments of memory. Scary.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. So we've got fragments of memory. So then on this mm. wall, there's all these different ones. They're all in kind of bright greens, bright blues, almost like highlighter pen colours just to give people an, I- an idea of what they're seeing here. hmm I want to go to that definitely towards that end one first, but Mm. this one here is really interesting, which has got kind of like two mouths in anguish and these ears on it. No signature on this,
1: James. What's that about? There's a competition in the UK called New Contemporaries for up-and-coming artists who've recently graduated from our school, and their system is you're not allowed to put your name anywhere on it because they want a whole level playing field, so they don't know anything about you, where you studied like you said before the color of your skin maybe mm-hmm. um so or your gender or gender identity yeah, as well it's international
0: women's day as we uh, as we uh, as we talk about this but i think being a, being like myself a cis woman is the least of anybody's worries right now but anyway not the least but certainly coming behind other genders right now yeah
1: so, yeah, shout out to all the women on National Women's Day.
0: And shout out to all the all the women on exactly. National Women's Day.
1: <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I haven't signed it. I don't know. It's highly, highly competitive. I don't know if I'll get through or not, but who knows. That's why I haven't done it. So if, if someone buys it, it'll be on the caveat. If I get called up, it has to go there. Yes. But, yeah, we should see.
0: Yeah, but it's still for sale. Still but you sale. get this very special one with no signature on it, which will be entered for this for this uh, New Contemporaries competition. All right, so let's move on then to this. This one. corner of the art gallery and this one's interesting it's almost like graffiti it reminds me a bit of andre's graffiti but this is also one that's been generated from ai so tell me what happened here
1: the ai picture is really disturbing much more disturbing than that
0: <laughs> yeah this is kind of cute in a way this is
1: really cute because i wanted it was just depressing me all these nasty images <laughs> coming back it was literally black bodies with their skin dripping off almost oh it's horrible, horrible i know you stuff.
0: sent me the ai yeah. yeah
1: so i tried to make it happier but i put no. Nice 1990s references, so like this is the Nirvana logo face Uh as well. And I tried to make it cute with Japanese manga style eyes and things like that, but with open mouths as well but the way i've positioned this it's in the corner it's an intimate corner of the galley. but when you open the door and you can come in that person there is looking at you through <sighs> there's like a really beautiful wooden structure sculpture. that they've got here yeah and it's kind of peering at you behind the sculpture so that's uh, quite nice uh, so then, very
0: nice and yeah. it's still quite grotesque so don't worry is it? about that i
1: think it's really cute it
0: is cute but it no it's also grotesque this looks like a skull
1: yeah, this.
0: And I mean, Nirvana's got a real darkness to it as well, hasn't it? And this as well. Yeah. So then we come into our kind of very intimate corner, which has got some of your n- nudes in it. Yeah. Another huge painting here. And this is. Red uh, with lots of, lots and lots and lots of colors on it. It looks like streamers almost. It's another one of the one meter by 80 centimeter sized ones. So, James, tell us about this.
1: So, this was me sketching myself naked, feeding that into AI. Because of AI's sensitivity restrictions, literally castrated me, effeminized me. So, it's my way of kind of bringing back my masculinity almost, mm-hmm. in a conversation with AI. But the techniques in this are, are new ones I haven't done before. So I use silicon in this one as well to make some, I don't know how you describe this. It looks like a science experiment almost as my arm. So it's almost like this person is not me. It's the person's kind of reaching over you almost and bending down. But it's almost like animation as well. It's different strokes with the arm moving down towards you.
0: There's something in here as well, like as we're talking about this, it looks like streamers. But if I kind of bring it back, James and I are both from the north of England, probably about 60 miles from one another. So we're like weird brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a slightly maypole-y vibe to it. So there's just a slightly, do you know what do you know what a maypole is? Mean, yeah, like the with the ribbons dance. and yeah. you do that kind of... We did that
1: dance in school. Yeah, I same, assume, you
0: know, yeah. the maypole would come out every year and... You know, God bless us all. We didn't know we were doing a Wicker Man thing, and this also looks a little Wicker Manish. There's something really, yeah. This, so, so this is about you reclaiming your masculinity. A lot of your work is a is an exploration into hyper masculinity. I know yeah. you've done some photo shoots around that, and photos are
1: here as well.
0: Yeah the Calvin Klein ads, mm. and the hypermasculinity that is also very much put over black bodies. Mm. I understand from the, the things that I've researched and listened to that black children are sexualized from very early age and treated as older than lighter-skinned contemporaries. I don't know if you know about this as well, James, but that. so I just wonder if there's something of that in here or is it much more just about masculine hyper masculinity
1: no it's this you're right really really good observation to connect that to the calvin klein photo shoot that i did as well because when i was growing up my image of masculinity was coming from these sources of white muscular guys like calvin klein yes so i have to be like that and I go to the gym now I'm obsessed with. It. I go five times a week. Okay. And is that because of images like that? Mm-hmm. And on the converse side is if I'm seen as a big black guy in the street, then that's quite dangerous as well. So do I need to pull that back? Because as soon as I go to England, I keep saying this, as soon as I step off the plane, my mindset changes. I have to say to myself, I have to not look like I'm being perceived as a criminal. Because that's how I get treated going to supermarkets, people following whatever. Mm-hmm. So all these questions are going on in my head. So should I be skinny or should I be big? Or why am I big? Is it because of Calvin Klein imagery? All these really confusing images are in my head. And I, I I take your point as well. The bat body has been sexualized as well. And for me, this isn't. It's not. I don't know if it's pleasant or what. It's just a naked person. But in Japan, I don't know if this is offensive or not. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it's not. I don't think it's offensive. But then. Is this going to damage my career? I don't think so, because it's art and it's abstract art. But all these questions are going on my head. So this, for me, this is actually one of the most complex paintings and most personal paintings I've ever done.
0: I love that we're listening to you here as well, working it out still as we're talking. And mm-hmm. we, we've talked about this painting quite a lot. As I've said to you, there is a penis festival in Kawasaki where people can ride on giant phalluses. So I think... <laughs> That's okay, but I understand it's a very vulnerable piece for you and uh, it means a lot and there's an awful lot of stuff baked into it there.
1: Yeah, this is going in for the new contemporaries as well. so It's unsigned too. Yeah, if this wins, then the whole world will see this, but who knows?
0: Well, they may have a, I don't know, do they have a, a kind of gallery of the submissions or maybe the finalists the
1: finalists do i think they're doing it in blackbury uh, blackpool sorry and london i think bloomsbury or something fantastic yeah
0: i love it that it's going to blackpool this is something so important in the uk is that everything isn't just in in london Mm. and in fact i was lucky enough to see the tate margate no the tate liverpool had the turner prize
1: stunning yeah
0: when i went back over Christmas and I went and and saw the exhibition three or four times actually it was fantastic Mm. amazing all right so in this so if I can just describe this part of the gallery there's a tiny kind of it's probably about 70 centimeters across part of the gallery which is obscured from the rest of the gallery so we're having this part as a kind of the naughty room (laughs) not the naughty room but the kind of how, How would yourself? you call it? The, the pink the New pink room. room. The pink
1: yeah, room. The pink. So this is, before you go there, Sarah, yeah. there's another painting here that I put here. What do you see when you see that? This one? Yeah.
0: I see a man sitting with his legs open and my mind goes to
1: masturbation. So fascinating because when I asked someone else that, they thought it was childbirth.
0: Oh, yeah. I can see both. And there you go, and that's the beauty of art, right? I have never had a child. <laughs> um so that's my diversity and my choice yeah wow okay no so there's two i guess there's two readings or there's probably multiple readings one can multiple. take of this
1: i didn't there was no intentionality of that literally i was just scraping things and saw what came up mm-hmm. and it's quite figurative so it's loose single brushstrokes in pale green Oh, sorry pale pink reddish and a bit of blue there as well yeah but i didn't know what i was painting when i did that yeah that happens a lot actually you kind of go in a trance and then something appears and you think okay where did that come from
0: no i like this i like i like that it's really to, to my reading of it i still see really boldly masculine sexual act happening here i can see the childbirth thing but that's just not that doesn't that doesn't hit me where it hits this is something i'd have on my wall i really enjoy things like this
1: mm. Interesting. And what do you see to the one next to it? So this is a black background with luminous blue spray paint, some neon pink there.
0: Well, again, this—I mean, I could read this all kinds of ways now, but I have—I have cognitive bias now because we've just been talking about all these other things. But that to me again looks like a, a kind of semi-flaccid penis, which has been covered up a bit, and it's a rainbow as well.
1: Can you not see a hummingbird? It's a disco stick. <laughs>
0: I don't see a hummingbird in there. I see a leg and a leg. Oh, there's a hummingbird up there. Okay. But you're also using hummingbirds in their beaks as cheeky references as well. This I know. So, yeah, but that could also be, if I want to take it into the women's day area, it could also be menstruation. Mm. Like a really, really great graphic depiction of menstruation. It's a mess. Right? So, yeah, it could be that mess, that, that sacred sacred expression too
1: love these interpretations but feel free to interpret them any way you want to viewers
0: and, uh, <laughs> yeah of course and you will you absolutely will that's really rich colors but i don't think yeah let's go on to this one here because yeah. this one is interesting because it's the first one i'm seeing that has text on
1: it it's the first time i've ever done text in a painting and i usually hate text
0: yeah so what prompted that
1: then There's a phrase in Trinidad called "Cabo fly high, die low," and cobo is like a vulture, basically. So what this means is, some people in life, like I remember exactly. Remember when Margaret Thatcher resigned? Mm -hmm. My parents kept saying that phrase over and over again. So basically, in life, you're flying really, really high, like Margaret Thatcher, but then you die low, like. Bottom of the bottom when she had to resign, for example. Well, it wasn't the
0: bottom of the bottom. She was married to a billionaire. So <laughs> that's not like, as, as far as bottoms go, it was probably a pretty pretty safe true. landing.
1: Yeah. So this, uh, again, I just got a picture from the internet of a caribou, I think you pronounce it, in Trinidad. And I don't know why I wrote that text, but it looked pretty cool and I just left it. I was, I think I came home like to the studio one night And I just got the vibe and I just started sketching things with charcoal and I just wrote this. And I meant to paint over it, but it looked pretty cool, so I left it in.
0: It's really, this is attractive. The the colours in this are just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And I think that the text is interesting. Can you do me one with Live Life Love on it,
1: please? Joking. Live Life Love? (laughs) No,
0: I'm joking. (laughs) Okay.
1: So then if we come here, so that was the AI journey where I prompt, it prompted me to do something else. So and then, that was all from the AI? All, all from AI, apart from maybe that one. Okay. A little bit of AI. We'll
0: fly high, yeah, dialogue. Dialogue.
1: And then I thought, okay, I've got this knowledge. Where has this taken me in my artistic journey now? What's going to happen? So without AI, I did a selfie of me with a cheeky grin, and this weird face came up when I painted it. So So that's
0: not through AI. That's just your interpretation of a
1: selfie. You say it's not AI, but maybe AI is part of me now because it's influenced me because all these ideas, the word paint... It's influenced me in a new, different way. So I've been taught by AI, which I think is pretty scary at the same time as well, it's being quite liberating.
0: Certainly influenced by it. There's no doubt about it because that looks like it's been run by it, run through AI. That's really interesting. So now, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that we're all influenced by this. I mean, I barely, you know, my, my, my phone's become a kind of extension of me. I mean, you're holding one in my face right now. It's like... You know, it's like an extension of our arms now.
1: Absolutely. And then I did these three pictures. These are called Abundance One, Two, and Three. These are little ones, F6 so the, sizes.
0: So I just want to say to the listeners now, we haven't, these haven't been hung yet. He and no. Peter haven't hung these yet. So do you, have you already decided what the hanging's going to be? For yeah.
1: These? So the big one, the cheeky grin. So that's one.
0: about what is one this? by, no, it's a bit shorter,
1: right? F30. that's what 80 centimeters by 60 something something like that yeah so you've got that one and then you get f6s here which are what 30 centimeters by by 40 40 yeah and then um so the 30 by 40s are three different faces uh called abundance one two and three of just interpretations of how i think i'd see my face now in just different weird ways yeah so almost like i used ai but i didn't huh And the techniques as well, really nice techniques that i got from the others, like bleach, a lot of bleach, a lot of charcoal. Oil pastels use a lot now. I never used that before as well. But I love the process of actually mixing the oil pastels into the paint whilst it's wet. And I just love the texture and saw where that goes. So sometimes I just followed the flow of the texture rather than thinking, what is this going to look like? Terrific. So
0: on the facing wall with the AI journey from the Windrush picture... You've gone horizontal hang. Yeah. for this one, you're gonna go a vertical hang. Is exactly, that right? Exactly. Which is interesting because that's landscape and this is portrait. So that will kind of mimic or no, what do you call it like
1: almost opposite opposite, yeah. Because yeah. that's telling a story like a life cycle. Oh, oh my gosh, brainwave. <laughs> the Nico story of the hummingbird. Mm-hmm. It was it literally goes in a line around the building. And now we've, re- we've recreated that here, but I never the monkeys. saw that. The monkeys, yes. yeah, yeah, sorry. So yeah, so this is like the life cycle almost of the cow. In the same way that the building in Niko follows a path in a line. I didn't notice that before.
0: Oh, that's that's very exciting, James. That's very, very exciting. That hit me somewhere beyond words. Mm, okay. So this hang, though, mm. you, you've both decided together mm-hmm. that this will be a vertical hang. So you've got... Three portrait pictures that are your face that you've interpreted, and they're called Abundance One, Two, and Three, next to this large interpretation of a selfie, which is called What? Sorry?
1: This is called Don't Read Too Much Into Me. Okay. Because sometimes I think people try to analyze people, more me anyway, too much and try to work me out and say, Why are you doing so many things? Who are you? And all of this. And it's. People are just curious, James. Exactly. Exactly. They are. (laughs) <laughs> but it can get annoying if you keep hearing it every single time. Every time you meet some of the rest of it's like, how are you doing so many things? Why are you doing so many things? It's just yeah. like, it's fine. It's curiosity. But if you yeah. keep hearing it on a day to day basis, I don't know. Am I being unreasonable? Probably am. The way you're looking at me now, Sarah. Don't try and work me out. <laughs> but it's also an artistic interpretation thing as well because there's a lot of art theory which I think goes too far as well Mm -hmm. and I'm just saying just enjoy the art for what it is for a change like don't read too much into it just have a bit of fun and there was no intentionality there it's just me just having fun with colours
0: yeah that's fun that's a really fun kind of piece somehow there was something it reminded me of and I can't quite put my finger on what it is now there's something quite old school about it. I don't know. There's something quite like it's from the forties or something like that. I don't mm. know.
1: Oh, I, see, I know what you're saying now. I don't yeah, know, yeah, you...
0: like I don't know, like it's going to say my old man's a dustman or something like that. I don't know. It's a weird thing.
1: Can you see the Anarchy A as well that came out of me?
0: No, it, though, by I, the mail? yes, I can now, but I didn't yeah. see it initially. Yeah. Nice. but
1: it's funny you mentioned how the different three ones are going to go on top of each other because that's the same we're going to do for these pictures of me. mm Hmm. So what I did with these, they're they're portraits of me, but of different photographers. And it's almost like different interpretations of me as an artist, almost in performance art as well. So you get like a modelling pose, a Mishima kind of pose, a scary one of paint all over me. And one with me looking a bit like the world's just come to an end. What the hell do I do with myself? Just saying, well, what makes an artist? How do you interpret an artist, and okay. how are you actually creating it? As a, and how is it viewed from a photographer? And interestingly, for one of them, it was done by uh, a white guy in his living room. So this has, have you heard of Carrie Mae Weems? Say again. Uh, Carrie Mae Weems. No. So she, you got to check this out, guys. The kitchen tabletop series. So it was a black photographer amazing photographer. She did a series in her own kitchen because the reason for that is she said she loved the photography she was taught, but it was just by white guys <laughs> and no one was doing photography who looked like her of images of her. So her way of doing it is to say actually I I can't look well I'm I can't get what I'm looking for. I need to create it. So she directed her own photos in her own kitchen of different poses of her lifestyle took the photos herself and one of them's an amazing one you get this kitchen top and she's like power, like towering over you looking over the kitchen top directly at you so she's saying, this is my space. You can kind of see a glimpse of a picture behind, but you don't know what's going on. Yeah. She says, you can't enter my space. This is my world and I'm directing it. And it's the first time I think in a big way that anyone's ever done that and it was publicised. So I tried to do that. So I was actually directing this photographer in his own living room with that same pose as well. And I was, I was completely open and said, this is why I'm doing it. And he actually loved it.
0: Yeah, I really like this, like the, the face coming out of the... I, I'm interested, yeah, I'm glad you've explained why you're actually including these photographs as well because I wasn't kind of getting it.
1: Yeah, are you getting it now? I can see why people would say getting that getting as well. I'm getting it better. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, other people might not say it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Like, so if I... It, yeah, let's get this uh, Let's get this on record. It's a little bit on the nose to have some photographs of you in a thing called All of Me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and photographs too. But um, yeah, I can see there's a context here. There's
1: a context and it's also a different medium as well. Yeah. And the, the, we mentioned the book as well. So half yeah. the proceeds are going to go to Refugee Empowerment International. And shout you, out. Shout out to them. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned they're in British libraries as well. Mm-hmm. So Eve Klein, famous artist from Paris, he did this concept of la vide where he's continually falling. It actually happened to me in the studio when I was packing. I fell back on the oh, step and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to fall. No. You know that feeling? Yeah, I do. That feeling, imagine that just never ending. That's what he created as a concept Amazing. of la vide. Completely fall. So he did judo in the Budokan in Japan. He trained here. So yeah. he's got a Japan connection as well. So in his gallery, he he patented his own blue color and he made a cocktail of that blue color and he gave it to the, the, the guests at the gallery. So there in their urine, the blue came out. So that seat out of the gallery into the sewers of Paris. So that's mm-hmm. his concept. There's actually no borders there. So that's what I'm trying to do with this exhibition as well, with the art, with the book. And also there's an EP as well that's coming out on Friday, the 10th of March as well. Okay. So it's different media just saying how far can art go when there's actually no boundaries? So yeah. this is going in the nightclubs. It's going in people's houses. It's in libraries photographs you know what i mean so it's, it's what it's questioning what does it mean to be an artist and how far can art go great
0: and that seems like a great place to wrap up so all i'd like to say then is another massive thank you to gallery mugen shout out in uh, riozan park in the northwest of tokyo um yamanote line sugamo and a massive thank you to Peter Leghorn, the gallery director here, who's helped to curate and hang this and has been taking photographs throughout. A true thank artist. Thank you, Peter. Whose exhibition was the first one that I saw here and thank you to our editor who's going to do this and a thank you to you James and a thank you to me
1: and Rachel Ferguson who yes runs Park as well but absolutely. thank you thank you very much for your help as well to do this whole journey as well you've really put me on the right course and I needed it
0: absolutely and let's see where this pilot episode of our podcast takes us James this has been fascinating I feel like we've both uncovered and learned things as we've been going what do you think
1: definitely I've even learned a lot about this exhibition that I didn't know before so thank you well
0: imagine that times the amount of people who come and see it all right then my lovely till
1: next see time you.
0: ciao bow bow
1: bow bow <laughs>